You're listening to A440 Podcast with Ed Rudisell and Kevin Franzen. Long-form interviews with underground musicians. Brought to you by Creative Zombie Studios. Find us at a440podcast.com and on Instagram at a440pod. Welcome back to the show. I'm Ed Rudisell. Kevin Franzen's off this week, but he'll be back next time. This week, though, we've got a uh, special guest, and you actually, if you've been listening to the show the last few episodes, you'll definitely know who it is, because his name's been dropped on, I think, all of the above. Uh, but we've got Sean Frazier with uh, Wise Blood Records. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. I really you know, appreciate it. I, I didn't expect that we would bring somebody, um, I, I guess, a non-musician or non-band member on so early, and we kind of anticipated that we would get to that, you know, because it's just so integral into the music business you know, uh, label owners and especially a lot of the work that you're doing with like PR promo and all that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you've, your name's been n- mentioned. We've had, uh, now, uh, Kyle Shaw mentioned you on, uh, uh-huh. with, uh, obscene. And then of course, um, Chris with mother of graves, who's on your label. Oh yeah. So oh, that yeah. was in our last episode. And, um, you know, you're, you're definitely have been out there. You've been helping us do some promo too. So we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love this podcast, man. And, uh, and the, the guys you're having on, are uh, are dudes that are always like some of the easiest to talk to at a bar, you yeah. know, and and I think that's why I like this podcast is it feels like I'm having drinks with everybody, yeah, you know, right. while, while you're chatting, <laughs> and, and we are right now. That's right. <laughs> We're doing the most hardcore fucking thing possible. We're sitting here drinking two nice gra- glasses of Riesling, <laughs> Riesling. Yeah. fucking metal. That's right, man. Um, from 2014. Hey, well, like I like I said, Chris Williams with uh, with Brooks Winery in Oregon said, if you don't like Riesling, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Co-signed That's by right. Wise Blood. That's right. There we go. This is, is going to be a new promo anytime. It, <laughs> Wise Blood, uh, Brooks Winery. I would love to have a Wise Blood Riesling, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah. Yo, dude, there I, we I go. will collab with whatever vineyard uh, is interested. Dude, he's a fucking badass, man. He makes some of the best wine out there. But we're now venturing into shift drink category or territory. Right, and yeah. Listen to shiftdrinkpodcast.com. <laughs> I do. Um, oh, thanks. I appreciate that, man. That's cool to hear. Um, man, you're, you're all over the scene and we were chatting just a little bit, um, before we sat down here today and I didn't realize that you are relatively new to Indianapolis, um, because you're just, I mean, you must've just landed here and fucking hit the ground running. But, um, that kind of brings me to where the hell did you get started in all this, man? You know, you're, you know, you're, uh, I guess mid thirties here. Um, you're an accomplished writer. You know, you've done, uh, well, I mean, it, you've even written films. You are now running uh, Wise Blood. You're super connected. I just don't know where you find the time, you know? Uh, and so, like, where does this yeah. start for you? I mean, like, I, I've asked the last few guests, you know, where was that first uh, entree into into metal, you know? Like, into um, metal. It, yeah. Well, in the metal, it probably starts, my first CD was Queen's A Night at the Opera. You yeah, know? yeah, and yeah. I, and I was always just really into, like, guitar forward mm. rock and roll. Um, but, uh, when I was probably like 12, my dad said, you're not going to like black Sabbath, you know, cause I was inquiring, like, oh, what, what's black Sabbath all about? And now they're my favorite band, obviously of all time. Um, but for wise blood, I think the That's journey, right. your dad's like, you're not going to like <laughs> Sabbath. <laughs> yeah. And now, and now he's like, all right, I was wrong. And he's super <laughs> supportive. Um, but for wise blood, the journey really started with, uh, I wanted to get into music writing uh and it was new year's of 2013 okay uh and i was 
going through like a depressive episode, just feeling kind of aimless. Mm-hmm. Screenwriting wasn't going as well as I as I hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, you know what? Uh, I'll start a music blog and I'll just write it every day for thirty days. And by the end of that, I'll have like kind of a portfolio, right, right, and right. I'll start submitting. So I started a blog called Mister Growl, um, and which the owl imagery is now used for Wise Blood, also. But um, at the end of the thirty days for that blog, I sent it out to a bunch of magazines, mm-hmm. and Decibel's the only one that hired me, and well, they were my the favorite only one, one, right? Yeah, like you that's, know? That's, you know? it's like the best one in America. Um, that's incredible, but, man. And it's the oh, I, I say it's the only thing that's ever worked out exactly as planned in my life, you know. So I mean, take me back to the blog. So I yeah. mean, you know, you didn't know exactly what you were doing because you're just kind of jumping in. And I do remember that, yeah. you know, the the whole blogging craze. I don't want to call it a craze. Obviously, they still exist, but sure. that was a time when like media outlets were just like telling everybody, "You have to write a blog. You mm-hmm. have to write a blog." It's kind of like an Instagram account now, right? Like yeah. you have to have <laughs> right. one. Everybody's required to have one if they want one or not. Yeah. You know, if you're a reporter or something, you just have to have one but you know there was a, a kind of a golden age of blogs you know mm-hmm. before um the, you know before smartphones i think really were like had pl- proliferated to the point where they are now where yeah. everybody has one and i mean that's i've got a lot of like food writer friends and stuff that kind of came out of that exact same world yeah so you're starting off with like really you've got screenwriting you know kind of under your belt but you're kind of diving into what what are you diving into? So those right. first few posts, what what are you writing? Are you do, are you reviewing albums? Are you just kind of ranting about how you fucking love <laughs> dual guitars? You know, I mean, like right. you know, yeah. It was it was pretty much uh, exclusively uh, music reviews of things I liked, uh, and then I'd every once in a while I'd be like, all right, I got a show, I can write a negative review, oh, right? Something like, that you don't like, you know? But like, how do I? I don't want. I hate doing it. And, yeah, and now at yeah. this point, I'm eight years into music journalism, and my stance is I won't write a negative review unless I'm getting paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I will not use my own time yeah. to rip on people because it's too hard. It's just fucking snark at that yeah, point, right? You're just you know, being a dick for no reason. Yeah. And, and I don't like this, and neither should you. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And, and you, know, you know as well as I do, it takes these bands months and years yeah. to put out an album, and for me to listen to it in 40 minutes and like right. put out some snarky shit like mm-hmm. i've done it you know and i'm not proud of it and i've learned over the course of my time at decibel magazine uh like when to just like put it like hey this ain't for me mm-hmm. you know six out of ten five out of ten whatever it is but like i try not to get like personal and like so well, i think that's the way you have to do it right you have to like prelude it with listen i listened to this a couple times i didn't love it and that those and those sorts of um reviews are really useful mm-hmm. you know to those of us out here that are reading your stuff um or the work of other you know music journalists because you know that first pass and, and obviously musicians are hyper aware of that as well yeah. other you know you're organizing the tracks on your album to have the the right flow and all these things and you know uh, obviously things have changed a lot in the years since you started yeah. with streaming services you know but you know all that time that goes into it yeah and you're taking a first pass and that's what we're doing as well so and, you know the first pass it, it those first thoughts do count, you know? Yeah. Um, I really love, I haven't seen it in any other kind of uh, discipline other than music. And I, and I have guess I've, I've seen it, but not so embraced the way it is in the metal community is that how bands will always say, if you like 
this band and that band and that band, you're going to fucking love us, you know? For fans. And you don't ever hear like chefs do that or like like pop singers even, you know? It's like, (laughs) oh, well, if you like Britney Spears, you're going to love Taylor Swift or some shit, you know? But like, you know, I I just came to mind because Chris in our last episode, like numerous times, and I I laughed when he posted on Instagram last week the same thing. It was like, if you like Catatonia, you're going to fucking love Mother of Graves, you know? Oh, yeah. Early Catatonia for Mother of Graves (laughs) is something that's been repeated uh, hundreds of times in our promo emails at this point. But it is interesting because, you know, those sorts of things, like you said, that first pass through, um, giving us a, a reference point, you know, in your writing and saying, hey, this wasn't for me, but here's why. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you, because sometimes those negative reviews, if you were to say something like, you know, I don't really like old Catatonia, but this kind of reminds me of Mother Grace. Like, holy shit, hold on. I like old Catatonia. Like, yeah, right, maybe yeah. that's the album for me. And so, like, even in, in writing something that you are perceiving as negative may, may not, you know, be bad press for whoever you're yeah. writing about. And I think that's a really positive way that you took that to, to not be shitting on people, you know? Yeah. And also, the, you know, my loyalty is to the reader. Right. First, you know, and right. I, I'm always aware, uh, I'm cognizant of the role the band has in it, but I'm writing for the reader. Right. So, you know, my loyalty is there, so I will use band references. Some musicians hate it. Yeah. Others know it's part of the, it's part mm-hmm. of the, like, how do I communicate what this sounds right. like to people who don't know me? Mm-hmm. You know, because I could hum some shit and right. like, you know, and, and like air drum stuff. And they'll be like, oh, I get that. But I can't do that <laughs> right. to a reader. You know, uh, so if I have to say, it sounds like early Catatonia. It sounds like the Peaceville 3. So if you like, you know, Anathema, like early Anathema, you might like this too. They know what I mean. Like now we have like some common language. Mm. So it's it's something where I know some musicians hate it, but I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Well, you know, it is funny. Like I said, I think that it's less hated in in metal community, mm-hmm. but but the subgenre labels I think are, are just as equally hated. They're wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's it's so you know splintered up now. This is like, I don't know, is this black and doom or is this doomy black? Metal. (laughs) Earlier today, I did that exact thing trying to describe Empty Throne. Oh yeah, that's right. I was like, okay, I'm trying to get them on a black metal channel, so I'll 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 highlight the black metal, and it was rejected. You know, from the channel because it wasn't black metal enough. Oh, okay. Well, I had uh, one of my employees uh, a couple days ago. We were just bullshitting. Um, he's kind of my plug to the youth, you know, and to find out what he's listening to. Because, I mean, some of the stuff that he listens to is just kind of shocking where I'm like, really, you dig this? Because he's a, he's a black metal guy, and that's kind of where we bonded over. And um, and I was like, so, you know, any cool new black metal you've, you, like that's just been released in 2021 that I should mm-hmm. know about? And he's like, nah, man, I've been listening to a lot of post-hardcore and stuff lately. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to be the fucking old guy now. Like, what exactly is post-hardcore? And he looks at me, he goes, I don't really fucking know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He couldn't describe right, it. Right, no, yeah. When I can't describe something, it's post-genre <laughs> right, yeah. that's closest. And that's exactly what I said. I said, you know, every time you see a post in front of something, I, I don't know, the, the whole concept of post in the past still throws me off, you know? Yeah, right. right. Like, proto, like, proto do. There you go. I know what right, that means. Exactly. You know, I, I, I know it means, like... Sabbath. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I know it means, like, Captain Beyond or mm-hmm. Leafhound and all those, like... I love that sweet spot of, like, 1968 to 1972. Yeah. Like, that, like, uh, fuzzy, hard rock. Yeah. Like, I love that, and it preceded me. that fuzz, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it preceded me by a, 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 a bunch sure. of years, yeah. but... Uh, I was born in 84, but uh, but I, I love that stuff. And But, like, you know, the death metal 
of basically like 1993 mm-hmm. to 1995 is like where I got my start with extreme music. And that's still like Pungent Stench, At The Gates, uh, Asphyx. Yeah. Like the, those bands are like still in my like top. And, you know, it's really, we've talked about this on every single episode thus far. And, you know, there's a, uh, Kevin's about your age, a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. And it's that same situation, you, you know, you kind of those, that era in which you kind of came up and you first got introduced to extreme music or heavy music, um, you know, it really sticks with you. Mm-hmm. And that kind of becomes your, in a large way, the way you define everything from there on out, regardless if you like, you know, like it or not, you know, so like, you know, being thrash guys, death wasn't really, a, I mean, not the band death, but death metal, yeah. um, wasn't really, um, accessible like as far as like going out and buying albums things like that at least to here in the midwest you know i'm sure if you were in fucking tampa it was a different story but you know in the mid to late 80s when you know we were all just listening to thrash and when we first started hearing the the you know the first early drops you know finally making their way over to us in death metal we were just like woo, i don't know about this you know (laughs) it was just it was so extreme at the time that's like i don't know if i can do that like i mean we were used to like the Clean vocals. I mean, you know, you had Tom with Slayer kind of walking the line in between almost like a, you know, proto death. But I say that mm-hmm. when, even though they were recording well after death metal was established, you know, sure, it's yeah. like, you know, you kind of back it up. We just weren't aware of it at the time, bands like death. Um, but, you know, it's like you were just a few years behind me. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Death metal would have been right there in its prime years, yeah. that golden era, you know? Like Morbid Angel on, yes. like, on like a uh, major label, mm-hmm. you know, like. Like labels were sort of like flirting with death metal. Yeah. Like, how far can we take this? And the answer was not very far. Mm-hmm. You know, but they tried. You know? Who would have thought though that we would go from there to where we are in 2021? Where if you turn on like you know an alternative station or any station that plays heavy music whatsoever, you'd be hard pressed to find clean vocals. You yeah, know, and, and it's like I, I just it blows my mind in really good ways that we've yeah. ended up from where you couldn't even play a band that's, you know, like Metallica on the radio, and now they're, like, on classic rock stations, you know? And so, I mean, things have changed so much, and you've been able to witness a lot of that. So even though you kind of, um, you know, that's the era that you came up and you weren't writing at that time, is that really informed a lot of the way that you you write um, for Decibel and just kind of, uh, you know, being of that age? Because, again, it's kind of hard to separate yourself from Mm -hmm. what you came up listening to and the way that informed your, you know, opinion. One of my favorite uh, pieces for Decibel I did this past year, it was the 1995 retrospective. Oh, cool. So it was like, uh, you know, it was like a 25-year anniversary. Oh, my God, really? (laughs) Sorry. Jesus Christ. (laughs) 95, I was literally in college. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at that time, I was, you know, 11 uh, in 95. Uh, So being able to talk to a lot of these bands that, like, that's when I first started, like, being in tune with heavy stuff so like talking to dave windorf of monster magnet yeah that's about cool. like you know how like stoner rock stoner metal like starting mm-hmm. around that time you know with like with uh Kaius and uh fu manchu and all those bands uh so talking to him talking to fear factory about like what new metal could have been mm-hmm. you know we know right. the direction it yeah. went but right. fear factory were right there and it could have gone that direction mm-hmm. it would have been a lot cooler yeah uh you know and then obviously you know you know morbid angel and cannibal corpse and uh and those uh great bands in tampa like in 95 at the gates yeah. Yeah. doing uh um the slaughter for the soul 
you know? So that was like a huge pivotal year in metal. I don't think was very great for the next five years. Yeah, I it think was rough. A, I think in a lot of ways, you know, that was a crossroads and it got eaten up mm-hmm. by, uh, you know, by production companies and record yeah. producers that tried to like clean it up. Uh, but I think it did because I came out of grunge, you know, like right. grunge, like listening to like Nirvana and Bush mm-hmm. and Alice in Chains. Fuck, I love like, Alice in Chains, man. You know, I love them more now than when I was a kid, and I like them a lot. So I didn't love them initially. Yeah. Um, I was in high school when, you know, really it showed up on anybody's radar, and there was this one dude that always wore an Alice in Chains shirt, like every day. It was always Alice in Chains. <laughs> yeah, there's always one guy. He was the super fan, <laughs> right? And, and like just that, like his fanaticism made me not really want to be into him. So yeah, yeah. he said, oh, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. So I just kind of like, um, I just kind of pushed it away. I did the same thing when I was like 11 with Metallica because everybody, nobody would shut up about like mm-hmm. Ride the Lightning. And then of course, when I finally listened to it, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is why. This is why. And so Alice in Chains was one of those things. I just, I didn't even bother listening to it until uh, I went to, I think Lollapalooza in 94, 95, and they co-headlined it. And so my first experience with Alice in Chains was seeing them like six rows back, center stage, and Lane Staley, like, I mean, had me immediately. His stage presence, his fucking voice, it was just so powerful of an experience. And, and, you know, it's not just me. To bring it back into the metal world, uh, I think I mentioned this a few episodes back, but uh, when Kerry King was in last, uh, you know, when Slayer came through Indy, we were uh, bullshitting at the bar uh, at the Inferno Room, Mm -hmm. and... Um, he, he's been carrying this piece of paper around with him. I, I don't know. He had it in his pocket. So it must have been in his wallet for God knows how long. And it could have been decibel. I don't know. But somebody asked him, asked him to do like a, a top 10, his top 10 greatest heavy metal singers of all time. And anybody that listens to Slayer or, or knows who Kerry, uh, you know, his opinions on things. Well, he's strong, strongly opinionated, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's fucking huge priest fan so I, I figured that you know rob halford would be number one right halford, yeah but i think and he didn't have any of the other slots like numbered you know he just kind of knew who was more or less on the list but it it had been evolving because i could see all the like this had been erased or crossed out <laughs> or you know whatever and 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 but he had lane staley on the list and, oh, yeah. and it was like the one that really stood out i was like wow really and uh he was like fuck yeah we were on tour with him with uh what was it uh, uh monsters rock or what was it the, the tour they went on uh, it had like Oh, it was one of those, uh, it was like a big three, right? I think it was like oh, okay. uh, Metallica, Slayer, and maybe Anthrax. And I think yeah. Alice in Chains was on that tour. Wow. Um, and that would have been like 91 or 92 or something oh, like that. Shit. And so like yeah. they weren't headlining yet, right? They were, And so they brought Alice in Chains on the tour. And, and he was like, yeah, just watching him perform every night was fucking amazing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what got me too was the, the performance. And I mean, yeah. I know that's not rare. Like there's a lot of bands you just really, if you see them live, you'll never hate on them ever again yeah well you know i have to say as i love harsh vocals and i prefer harsh vocals but the vocals i connect with most are clean yeah you know and it's just tough because like you know by design growled vocals are supposed to be sort of alien and monstrous Mm -hmm. uh but you know it to me what are the vocals that like keep me Mm -hmm. engaged and that like i keep coming back to it's lane staley it's freddie mercury it's fucking roy orbison Mm -hmm. you know it's it's uh it's people that have that like feeling uh yeah and they're like you see the humanity in it 
So I love death metal. I love harsh vocals. Yeah, sure, man. But, you know, I mean, it's a different beast, you know? Yeah, and, and that's yeah. the thing is, but by human nature, we love catchiness, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, anything that can stick in your head, and it, yeah, it's hard to walk around work, you know, like, you know? You know yeah, or Dax Riggs, who can do both. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, right? He's probably my top of all time. So. <laughs> Every time I do walk around, like, singing death metal lyrics, <laughs> I get a lot of strange looks because I don't realize I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're like, him, my wife, what the hell are you doing? Don't for, just forget about it. Forget about it. I was clearing my throat. It's clearing my throat. Yeah. That's it's super cool. I didn't realize that how you had like kind of uh, uh, more or less gave yourself a job with Decibel. I mean, that's real cool that you kind yeah. of just launched it out there into the world and, and it stuck. Well, you know, uh, I wouldn't have joined them if they didn't allow me. So like the managing editor, uh, Andrew Bonazelli, uh, it was a Mets fan, and I'm a Mets fan, and I absolutely exploited that knowledge, <laughs> uh, you know, to like appeal to him. Sure, yeah. But you know, Albert, uh, the guy who runs uh, Decibel, the boss man, like, there's no bullying him. There's no like getting something out of him or manipulating him. Like, he is as sharp as they come, and. Uh, so if he wanted me to join, that's exactly what he wanted. And to this day, I'm super loyal. That's awesome, yeah. Know, to Decibel. Like, yeah, I mean, I've never heard you say anything poor about him. And not only that, but I mean, you're still working with Decibel, right? I mean, you're running your own company. You're still mm-hmm. doing work with Decibel. And, and I don't want to, you know, ignore stuff, that. I got writing to do tonight for him. So yeah. Yeah, That's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you are staying busy, you know. You're working with promoters in town. You're working, uh, actually, with the folks that pretty much have the only metal v- music um, venue in town. or yeah. live. I'm sorry, live music venue in town um but you just kind of got wise blood off the ground and and that's where you know we talked about at the top of the hour you know where why we're having you on the show is because we you know chris is on your label um you've got a couple new releases that just got dropped yeah um i mean talk about like how did you end up from like writing into label because i think and myself included Mm -hmm. people assume you know um that you're a musician, right? And like that you kind of backed into it that way because we see that a lot, you know, Um, that it's not, you know, strictly business for you. It's not, I mean, it's literally, you're doing this for the the, the love of the music. Yeah. Um, And and it's just really fantastic that you were able to do that and from a, a, uh, from coming as a writer and somebody that's been exposed to so much out there and like being able to like really connect with people literally and, you know, uh, and and obviously... um, Whatever the fucking word is that I'm looking for, I don't know. You know, like uh, <laughs> non literally, but I mean, you know, you've got you, you're able to connect with readers on an emotional level, but you also have the connections in in the kind of business world of that. And so, I mean, has that been able to like help you get this thing afloat? Oh yeah, yeah. Without Decibel, Wise Blood would not exist. Like I, I firmly believe that because uh, I started Wise Blood um, last in the like basically in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, I lost. I had a really solid corporate gig where I was making decent money. Uh, I lost that in March uh, 2020. You know, <laughs> like, like the rest, like of a lot, right? like, yeah. like a lot of people listening to this. You don't album. say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so in the months after, you know, I spent a month basically playing zombie video games. And, uh, after that I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do with my time? Cause yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm definitely a workaholic. Mm-hmm. I like having projects. I'm a good project manager. I'm good at organizing. I'm a total spreadsheet geek. <laughs> really? You know? And, uh, so I had thought of starting a, a record label for years, but I thought it right. would be like me in my fifties. Like trying to like just like sure. reconnect to the scene or something, but uh, 
basically I came up with the idea of wise blood and uh, let a couple people know. Uh, but I figured it would start super small. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd maybe two or three releases a year just so I could put my all into it. Uh, and I met Mother of Graves. Mm. And Mother of Graves uh, showed me their demos. And it was just like, man, well, I got I to gotta start now because this is too good. Like, Were they showing you their demos in... Um in response to you having kind of fished out there that you were thinking about starting a label, or was this just kind of as a friendly, like, hey, check this out? Well, actually, it was Corey from Apostle of Solitude. Yeah. Uh, he had recommended I listen to them. Uh, I, cool. I had reached out to Corey to, like, play at uh, a show, uh, my, like, label launch show, uh, and they weren't available, but he's like, you know, check out Mother of Graves. I think you'll like them. Um, and I did. <laughs> I did. Are you a fan of X or of old Catatonia? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, basically, Mother of Graves were my first signing. Uh, and from the start, I was like, I want to be focused on Indianapolis music. So mm-hmm. like 50% of my roster at any time is going to be bands from the Midwest. Now, I do expand that to like sure. be, include Illinois, Ohio, and Kentucky. Uh, but... Right now, it's like I'm trying to make Indianapolis, like there's so much talent here. There really is. You know what I mean? And mm. because it's a flyover state, I think a couple things happen. Uh, I think they get ignored. Yeah. I think the talent gets ignored because Chicago's a, so short, close. Yeah. a short drive, yeah. and there's great bands there. Um, but also... Well, I think, great venues, and I think that's what hurts yeah, us the most, right? Sure. Like, I mean, music-wise, you know, I the... The price drop in all of the uh, equipment has made it so much more accessible than it's ever been. Everybody can put home studios together mm-hmm. relatively inexpensively now. And yeah. so if anybody that's listened to this uh, show for the last you know few episodes knows that uh, a lot of times bands don't even live in the same city with one another any longer. Sure. And, it's, yeah. and COVID has just really intensified that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, as you're like putting these things together, you know, and you're heading forward, you know, concentrating on... On that, you know, recording aspect, you you mentioned, you know, Chicago being so close. Yeah. But it's the venues, I think, that kills us because there's so many great venues and we really don't have that. They, you know, split apart by genre. Like, oh, this is a great rock club or this is a great, you know, place to see country music or whatever. Like, we have, like, a handful of clubs and obviously COVID has not helped that situation whatsoever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that the accessibility of recording, I think, is probably made the big city-centric bands, you know, a little bit less of a factor. But I'd I love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, do you think that's the case? Or is that evolving as we speak, you know? Yeah, well, I think there's nothing wrong with re- recording at home. Mother Graves did that, and it sounds fucking great. Yeah. Now, not everybody has Ben Sandman, sure. who's their guitarist. Right, you right. know, like They don't have him right. in their band. Uh, he's phenomenally good most people i'd recommend them go outside of mm-hmm. of their band and have it handled by a professional you know uh, especially with producers and yeah. i mean that's where i think that you really get the um the benefit of working in a, in a studio is working with people outside of your like kind of feedback circle <laughs> you know yes. no pun intended right it's just like yeah. oh, you all love what you're doing that's why you're doing it together but you know, you need to have somebody that says no. That's 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 not good. You know, that, that's why. Like, even if it sounds great, I recommend someone have it mastered by someone who's a name. Yeah, you know, which for Mother of Graves was Dan Swano. Like, yeah, like that is awesome. You know, for uh, Vexing Hex, 
we had this great uh, Swedish producer who uh, who uh, produced like Tribulation and Lucifer uh, and some other great projects. And uh, Grave Ripper just had Joel Grind. Yeah, mastered man. it. So that actually is a really good um, point to to get deeper into this here because you know a lot, all of us know what record labels are. But we don't always understand what exactly they do. Like, what, what is your role with that? I mean, when you, a band is signed to Wise Blood Records, I mean, mm-hmm. what does your role become? And I, I know that this can vary from label to label to label. Yeah. But, I mean, what is it you're doing? Are you connecting them with studio space? Are you connecting with the engineers, producers, all the things that, that they're going to need to come up with the best sounding album? Or are you there as, you know, yeah. a hype man? You know, I mean. Right, yeah. <clears throat> it's all of the above, man. Like, it, and it, it, you're right. It does vary by record. Like, Mother of Grays, because they were the first one, I went like a little, I went above and beyond sure. for them because they trusted me with mm-hmm. their album. And I was, you know, here, like, being like, hey, this is the first time. I hope we do okay. Nerve wracking. You know, yeah. You know, and, and I also didn't want to, like, submarine their their album you right. know their their debut ep but luckily you know from the start i was like okay well let's aim high for mastering uh so we got dan swano and now they have like they got on uh a metal blade compilation yeah that know. just yeah that came out after we uh did the interview right even yeah. though we knew that it was gonna happen yeah, but we yeah. had to bite our tongues we've you know? known that since like last november and we've had to like just i mean just the, how cool it is to be on such a legendary compilation you know i mean so it literally amazing. started off the whole tape trading thing i mean yeah. it started metallica and just it's just you know, historically, a very, very cool thing to have achieved. And for especially such a young company that you've got, you know, yeah. you've been able to, like, sign some really badass bands. So I, that's why I was asking about the kind of the process and what bands expect, because this is something, you know, I've played music for a long time when we never got signed. Yeah. So we never kind of went through that process. And it's, it is quite different. And I think it's, it's a stumbling block for a lot of people. Like, how do yeah. I connect, you know, what we do to you know, putting out an album, you sure. know, that's not recording in garage band and, you know, mm-hmm. putting it out on, you know, cassette tapes in the back of my tracer, you know, mm-hmm. so. It's it's tough. And what my goal basically uh, is to get every band to the point of basically being the band Neurosis, you know, who handles everything in-house. They have their own record label. They're self-reliant. And uh, they don't have to pay any middlemen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's my goal for the bands is to get to that point. Uh, so I'm there uh, to be kind of like a Sherpa, mm-hmm. you know, like for the first uh, for the first album or two or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I hope I do another album with Mother Graves. I hope I do another Grave Ripper album, uh, Vexing Hex. All these bands, I love these guys. Um, so right now, like what they can do. Uh, they can come to me with really strong demos, you know, and if I love it, I'll say, please come back to me with like a mix. Let me know who you're thinking of mixing. Mm. I might have some opinions. If you use my opinion, maybe I'll throw in some money, you know? So basically I have like preferred uh, engineers, you know, a big one is Carl Byers, uh, who's local in Indiana. He was in Coffin Worm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he uh, he did Shroud of Vulture and he did uh, Grave Ripper. Um, so I'll say, you know, if you use my engineer, if you use a, a mastering person or an artist, I'll throw in money because I believe in these people. Uh, and you get some, you know, you get some funding. You know, if they go with their own people, that's cool. Like, it's their music. And I never ask for the rights to their music ever. 
uh, I will say I have the exclusive right to like make a CD right. for two years, mm-hmm. and that's it. But like the music is never Wise Bloods. It's always the bands. And if someone like it's like a PSA, right? Like if a label is asking for rights to your music, like unless it's fucking Metal Blade, basically, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> go, like run away mm-hmm. because it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Like maybe they'll give you some like touring support. Maybe they'll right. like do your first vinyl run, but then your music's gone and it's not yours anymore. Mm-hmm. So what I'm really trying to do is get these bands, uh, I launch them into a place where they're comfortable. Hopefully they stay with me because I fucking care. And like, I, and I don't take on albums I don't care about. You know, like like you said, I, I have basically four jobs right now. Right. You yeah. know, time is my most precious commodity, and I'm not going to use it for an album that I'm like, oh, it's all right. Maybe it'll sell. I don't really care if it sells. Like, if I if I put it out, it's because I... I like really believe in that album, or I love that album. So like every single thing I've put out, uh, I I thought was awesome. Um, you know, we have more on the way. We have like Empty Throne, you know, that uh, is out, and they have like members and bands that I can't believe I'm working with them. Sure, yeah, you know, and I think that's one of the best debuts of the year. That and Mother of Graves, like in the same year, that's awesome. Uh, I just uh, put out Shroud of Vulture, you know, that came out last year. Uh, and I got Transylvanian Recordings, like this fucking rad yeah. tape company. <laughs> and that guy runs it just like, like he's many years ahead of me because he already has like 5,000 plus like rabid followers who gobble up like every cassette he puts out, you know, and he did their cassette, you know. Uh, so to, the fact that guys like that, James uh, at Transylvanian, believe in this make me... Like, I know I'm on the right track. Sure. Well, I mean, it's not really that old of a company. You know, you've been around, like yeah. you said, you started in the middle of the pandemic, and you just rattled off, you know, several of the bands that are already, you're mm-hmm. already working with. And I think that really says a lot that they put the trust in you. And it's, it's such a youthful company. Yeah. Um, there are options. And again, you know, especially in 2021, where everything has moved to, you know, digital communication. You don't have to meet with anybody anymore Mm -hmm. to do anything. So (laughs) the fact that, you know, they're trusting you uh, to be able to do that in in a way that I think there's definitely a perception as well that not only can you um, kind of do the meetings and all that online, but, um, you know, like we said, recording yourself, there's there's definitely a a path to be able to do it on your own, like you said, without the middlemen. But I I think a lot of people jump to that way too early, you know, and and, and you kind of lose the guidance and and you get tanked. And that's where I think, you know, uh, having a label like you really does come in. But, you know, I, I, to speak to what you said about, you know, being (laughs) run the other way, if it's not metal blade, you know, I just, um, I just read Scott Ian's book and how so many labels just tanked like numerous releases from anthrax, um, you know, in the like mid nineties and just literally just were like, yeah, we don't think anybody's going to like this. And then because they didn't believe in the album, mm-hmm. they, they just didn't put any sort of effort behind it whatsoever. And then, of course, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And so to have somebody like you really kind of be in the hype man and champion it, and I, you know, that's how I connected with you um, in the early days of Wise Blood was through Mother of Graves. Yeah. yeah. And seeing you just constantly talking about how fucking great it was. And you can hear the enthusiasm in your like social media posts and emails, like it, it's obvious that you care about them doing well, not oh, yeah. you doing well. I mean, you know, if I break even on a release, sure. it, it, it's a good day, you mm-hmm. know. And and so far, I am, you know. And that was one thing I was prepared, you know. Like, uh, you know, my fiance when I was talking to her about 
starting wise blood i was like listen there's a chance i lose a couple grand you know and like i i ain't rich so a couple grand like it kind of matters you know we're planning yeah. a wedding yeah you know, right. it matters um but she was like you know what i trust you to do what's right so my my goal for the first two years was just like build uh build a base of followers mm-hmm. that will stay with me so how do i do that you know i first of all give them good music uh, and then I throw in extra stuff. I make it personal. I write a personal thank you note uh, to every first uh, to every first order. Uh, I put a wax seal on it myself. I yes, drip, you do. That's I, right. You know, I have got the I wax drip seal. It, I, I press it myself. I send that out, and like once you've ordered multiple times, you I start putting in patches. I start putting in extra tapes and CDs because. These all these people are worth it. They're like mm-hmm. supporting underground metal, like uh, during a pandemic, you know, with whatever money they have available. And like, the, I do not take that for granted. The bands don't take that for granted. Uh, if I go to a show, I sell a lot of stuff, but it's tough online when you got to click around to ten different things. It really is to yeah. make a sale, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so all these people who order from me, like they went out of their way to do it. And I consider them my friends, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I write to them personally. I check in with them, like, how you doing? Like, some, <laughs> I, I don't want to be incriminated, but sometimes if <laughs> I'm intoxicated at night, you know, I get very giving. Uh, so I'll put in free stuff. And so later on, I'll check in like, hey, what free tape did I give you? <laughs> I did not write. And I don't want to send you a duplicate, you know. Right, like, right, uh, right. But uh, but yeah, the the supporters we have, I, I I really believe in, and that all stems in from like, okay, give them good music, yeah. And uh, so like Mother of Graves, Vexing Hex, um, oh my God, I can't wait for you to you have you heard Grave Ripper yet? I haven't. Yet. Okay, I'm gonna send to that. I'm gonna send that to you. Like, well, tonight. this is the um. So we, as you're talking, you know, it's like those that are kind of familiar with the recording industry that yeah. know the names behind the scenes yeah. um, kind of know who to follow. Um, you know, and it's just like a director of a film. So if you're not familiar with the recording industry and you don't pay attention to the names and the liner notes, it's like a, a, a movie director, right? If you love Martin Scorsese, there's a pretty good fucking bet that you're going to love anything that Scorsese does, even if it's Mean Streets or it's The Departed or whatever. Like sure. they're totally different films, totally different actors, but you know, it's still kind of got that style. So you know, you're building up this fan base yeah, and b- connecting with them on a personal level, but people are obviously connecting with you and the label because they trust what you're putting out is it, it obviously there is a wide uh, range of genres in that kind of right. underground scene, but it's still kind of got that wise blood stamp on it. That it's like, I know that it's going to be quality. I mean, what kind of uh, bands are you looking for? Are you just kind of just throwing it out there, whatever comes back your way? I mean, obviously you're concentrating in, in kind of extreme and underground metal mm-hmm. at the time, um, but I mean, you know, within that, uh, is there anything in particular you're looking for, or just kind of? Oh man, you just got satellites out, and you know, yeah, anybody, just wait until this comes out, and there's going to be my mom might get with you and see if you can, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I made the... Uh, I have my pet bird, but uh, the hate beak's already taken. Like, God oh, damn yeah, it. hate beak. <laughs> I know, they ruined it. Um, yeah, you know, the genre-wise, uh, I definitely have my preferences. Sure. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm big into Doom. I'm big into, like, stoner and mm-hmm. death metal. 
Uh, black metal's on the back burner for me, mm-hmm. but I do have some great black metal you bands. You just accidentally back into a few like National Socialist black metal bands, and you're like, fuck, oh another God. fucking band I can't listen Yo, to. Yo, that, that is the... F- that is the f- when I, you talked having about like uh, interviews, you know, with mm-hmm. bands. Mm-hmm. And before I sign a band, I always get on and I'm like, listen, I need you to tell me right now if you have any like racial, like 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 bigotry in your past, uh, any sexual misconduct or any violence. Because if you tell me now, like you know, I can prepare and I might reject us working together but if you tell me later like i'm gonna i'm gonna 100 rejection gonna, right yeah, yeah yeah and i'm also gonna air it mm, because i'm gonna mm. have to like release you you know so yeah. like, you gotta tell me now uh because i will not i, I can't deal with that stuff and like, we were just joking around on twitter the other day you yeah. know um actually i think it was me and chris um from you know uh, mother graves and we were i just i put out there i was like man i just wish there was a fucking app you know where it's like, it reminded me of like Silicon Valley. If you watch yeah. Silicon Valley, there's yes, like that hot dog, not hot dog app that like Jen Yang had. Yeah. I was like, I need to have like something that's like, I imagine it to be, you know, kind of like um, fucking uh, Shazam, but you're like, you listen to this and it either says National Socialist, not National Socialist. And you're like, oh, because yeah. sometimes you have to do some digging. I take 30 fucking minutes. I hear a band I like. And, um, and, and this got brought up because uh, a friend of mine, he was like, hey, have you heard Meinenwerfer? And I was like, I have not. And so yeah. I checked him out, the American black metal band, and that was exactly the conversation that I found on Reddit, was like people were debating how Nazi they could be or not be because you know they didn't explicitly have anything out there, but it's all World War I-themed yeah. uh, lyrics and you know, really thematically-themed albums. And so you're like... It's maybe it's not national socialist, but maybe it's adjacent, and so yeah. you you know those sorts of things um, are very uncomfortable to find out, or if not infuriating to find out after you've already listened to an album recorded maybe in another language, yeah. or like you said earlier in the interview, where you don't necessarily understand the words anyway because they're buried <laughs> you know tonally um, yeah. you know within the within the mix um, for this kind of atmospheric effect, and then you find out oh shit <laughs> you know mm-hmm. they're fucking you know. Nazi, forgive it's it's, it's insane yeah. to me that that's it's even a debate that we or even a topic we have to talk about in twenty one, um, you know. But it's definitely it's out there. I just I want an easy answer before I yeah. because of being a fan of black metal, it's something you really have to be cognizant of. Yeah, yeah. Like I see you with a Watain shirt right, right now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like you have to like uh, okay, uh, is it you know? Can, I'm like, do these people agree with my ideals? You know? Does it? Yeah. Does it pass the test? Uh, th- that's really hard for me, and I had to have that conversation with a couple bands recently. Really? Of, uh, wow. Yeah. You, you know, for, through Decibel or through Wiseblood? Through through Wiseblood. Okay. Because you know, I I mean, I get submissions every day. Like sure. for Decibel, I get fifty to sixty promos every day. And wow. There's just no way to listen to everything. Yeah. Uh, but for Wiseblood, I get basically like a submission a day, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of that's them are, cool as fuck. It's that's really like perfectly cool. palatable. You can totally <laughs> do that a day. You know? Right. Yeah. I can at least listen to a couple songs. Sure. You know? Yeah. And uh, and a lot of them, probably half of them, are are like one person. Death, sure. Uh, yeah. Black metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One one person black metal albums. So uh, if I like it, I'm like, okay, like, 
let's schedule a time to talk because I have some questions and it's not comfortable. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not a comfortable convo because they obviously feel like they're on their heels. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, but it's important to me. Like our whole motto is, you know, the, the riffs are mean, but, but we're not right. You know, because, uh, I don't want to make the, the metal less abrasive, but I do want to make it more inclusive. I want to get rid of gatekeeping because what fucking good does that do? The idea of like elitist, uh, metal is such an oxymoron to me. Mm-hmm. Like this is music for outcasts and outsiders. Yeah. Like let's let's welcome people that feel alienated by society or that are looking for some sort of like family by proxy. Mm-hmm. You know, I I love that. I love the idea of like building community. So that's what Wise Blood is really about, and that's like why I'm trying to do like one concert a month over at uh, Black Circle here in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm trying to do like one concert a month. People can come out and you might meet people that you'll be friends with for a while. Right. You know, you might meet with people who are future collaborators musically. Um, it's a really solid scene here. And I've been really impressed with the quality of people. Well, it's funny you say that because, you know, it's like you're talking about like this being an underground thing and, you know, the outcast and the misfits that we all, you know, were when we kind of found metal in our metal community and mm-hmm. it, you know it, it i guess it's that slippery slope of like we want it to be just accepted enough that we can find the albums that we want you know especially when you're not in a major market you know yeah. if we're not in the bay area or la or new york you know being able to find this stuff but you you know kind of what we saw happen in the 90s right the over commercialization of metal and then you end up with new metal <laughs> right. so but you know the, you know as i've been thinking about new metal a lot lately um because I, I, we all have to kind of uh, resolve and, and make our peace with the fact that it exists, <laughs> you know. And w- I what put in my time with what did it yeah. do? You know. Well, so I mean, I was old enough by that point. I just bailed on the scene. Right. Like I wasn't of the age where it's like I had to listen to it. I was like, oh, I'll just go back and listen to old fucking you know Slayer albums or whatever. <laughs> um, but you know, now I think, uh, given a couple of decades um, to look back on it, I think that it was a really important palate cleanser because it was so accepted and it was the kind of the rise of Ozfest and you know monster energy drinks and red bull and let's fucking right. you know whatever you know limp biscuit punching walls or whatever you know <laughs> that kind of aggro bro metal mm-hmm. and so but it was kind of because of that it pushed the underground back to the underground right and yeah. nobody was really tempted to like Maybe put some clean vocals in the middle there because it's more palatable. And maybe we can get signed if we make that happen. And I suspect there's probably a lot of bands that did that in the 90s that really regret having done that, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and so now here we are again. Now, that's why I say it's kind of like a palate cleanser because, you know, with 20 years past, it kind of reset the scene, right? And it took yeah. a little while to recover, but, you know, there was still really great music going on during that, you know, new metal era but it was just really largely forgotten about and the labels were ignoring it. And so like it, when it pushed everything back, it almost reset us all back into like the, the early to mid eighties where the thrash scene was coming up and everybody went back to trading and you know, it was file sharing at that time. Right. right like it's like, yeah. I got this file of this show or, and, you know, and so, and it really opened doors for guys like yourself to be able to come back and say, we care about the bands. Yeah. We care about you doing what you do and we don't give a shit about the money aspect of it. I mean, obviously you give a sh- some sh- sort of a shit or you wouldn't have a business, but right. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, to be able to do that and it really 
put it back into the power of the bands. And I think that that's something as we see the evolution of music. And I think we're, it feels very transitory right now, you know, because mm -hmm. the streaming services have been around long enough now that it's starting to make me wonder, like, what's next? Right, you know, because yeah. it seems about every 10 to 15 years we have these disruptive technologies in music, you know. We went from like eight track or vinyl to eight tracks to cassettes to CDs to MP3s to streaming services. So like, you know, what, what do we have next that's going to disrupt? And, you know, obviously with the home recording that we've already kind of talked about yeah. ad nauseum, you know, it's, um, it's definitely you're in a situation where you're kind of poised to be flexible, whereas the, the the bigger labels just aren't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to be flexible, and you know, uh, at this point, music has been devalued so much. You know, because right. of, because because of, of the streaming services. Yeah, yeah, because of the streaming, and you know, art in general has been devalued. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, in the digital world, you know, like mm -hmm. to, to quote the Dead Kennedys, "Give me convenience or give me death." Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you can get anything. You can get yeah. anything super quick. Mm -hmm. uh, so what can we still offer? We can offer a great product, and I take great pride in the layout and design of all of our CDs and our cassettes. And they're just for people who are going to want a physical, yeah. you know, tangible uh, object to, to have. Uh, and live music. There's no way to replace no. live music right now. Um, and that is the lifeblood of, of you know, metal musicians anyhow. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. It, there's just nothing like the energy of the, the music that we listen to mm -hmm. being played live, you know. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's impossible to replicate and that's why it's been tough during the pandemic. Yeah. is like you can't have the physicality mm -hmm. uh, of a of a live concert right now. Well, so, that's really wild though because you literally have I mean, you started this during the pandemic. So yeah. <laughs> nobody has seen any of the bands that you've got, you know. Well, I guess they I guess some of them were pre-existing, but you know, I mean, some of these bands they they haven't done any live shows, you know, because of that being held back there. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, a, that's why I think I th that we're like poised for something to change. We know that something's going to change. We just don't know how it's going to. The pandemic's definitely going to inform what it looks like at the end, but I mean, who knows what that's going to be? Yeah. I mean, what do you think that live music is going to look for at or look like for uh, Wiseblood going forward? Well, I think um, I, I wrote a uh, a piece for Decibel recently about the uh, about live music and uh, you know all the venues that were struggling and uh, obviously you know businesses in general uh, that are struggling, uh, but we're looking at a resurgence, right? And people like acknowledging what they've missed. So the hope is that uh, on May 29th uh, this year, I curated uh, I curated uh, a show at Black Circle, and then on June 12th, I'll have Grave Ripper will have their album release, and I think we're gonna pack the place. I'll be there. Yeah. I hope to be there. Yeah, it's yeah. the day after my birthday. It's a Saturday. Be, yeah, right? <laughs> so, I know that's the part that makes it hard. Is yeah, the Saturday? Yeah. I, know. I was like, as a business owner, I yeah. know uh, it makes the most sense for the band. Yeah, just, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There needs to be like a restaurant industry release party. <laughs> yeah, it's on a Monday night. <laughs> you know, uh, so our hope is that you know we have an album release party. Mm -hmm. It's fucking packed. Uh, they already sold out their. I mean, I've sold out all of our cassettes already for them. Their first run of T-shirts are all sold out. People are really psyched about that. Decibel is like knocking on the door for coverage. That's great, man. You know, um, so that's a band I'm really excited about. So I think if we can energize uh, people to go see these bands live, usually they get there, they have a couple drinks, they're in a good mood, they might pick out an album. 
And maybe that sets them on a course to be like, you know what, I can financially support music and that's meaningful to me. Right. You know, like my really the goal of Wise Blood is to make everything a little more personal, a little bit more human. So it's not like, oh, I'm sending this to a huge label. They right. don't even know who I am. Right. Like you will get a personal thank you from mm-hmm. me. Uh, the band will probably reach out. Uh, if you write a review, like, well, I give you wholesale, you know, prices. So if you want an album, it's only like three or four bucks. Like, whatever I paid to have it made. I mean, this really does bring it back around. To me, it makes me feel nostalgic for that tape trading thing, you know, and I've talked about that a lot. And, uh, you know, it does make it, like you just said, personal again. Yeah. And, I mean, that's this music is intensely personal. Yeah. Um, you know, we all come to it um, because something appeals to us, you know, like you said, misfits or kind of you just, we didn't find our family elsewhere. Pop music doesn't speak to you in, in the same mm-hmm. way that this yeah. kind of, like, really raw emotional music does um unless you're a neo-nazi in which case you're 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 a dick but you know what there is a genre for you there's a genre (laughs) but you're not welcome at my show right right Uh, right you know uh, we're putting out a demo uh of a local band we haven't announced it yet but they have a song called like like dead Nazi, and I was just like, and they're black metal, and I was like, you're Great. the type of black metal I want. <laughs> it reminds me. Uh, there, uh, did you ever watch the television show Veep? Oh, I love Veep. Did, yeah. There was that one scene early on where um, the kind of big oafish guy, um, what was his name, uh, Noah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. When no. he like invites his like uh, African American friend to go to a metal show because he doesn't really have any friends, and the guy was like, oh yeah, sure. And then they like go and they realize like two songs in that they're at a national socialist black metal show. <laughs> and there's like swaths because yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody's got a shaved head. And you're like, right. It's a it's, green room. It's, it's, it's a, a joke written for so few of us. You yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, that, that personalization of the music is, it's been missing and everybody's been chasing likes or followers, you yeah. know, and like, and I don't mean followers and like, I'm following your career or I'm following your label and just like, you know, just clicking that play count up one more on yeah. Spotify or, or Pandora or whatever. I really love that Bandcamp has become this really beautiful home oh, for yeah. all of these uh, labels and musicians. You know, um, mm-hmm. I really like also that you as Wiseblood kind of have your, you know, you have got your landing page, but it goes to all of the bands that, you know, you support. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, honestly, I didn't realize until I just said it, but I, I really do feel it. And when I think about Wiseblood, I feel like you're supporting them. Like, you know, oh, whereas yeah. you're like, oh, they're on this label, they're on Megaforce, or they're on Metal Blade. I'm just like, no, it, the, you know, Wiseblood is supporting Mother of Graves or Shot of. Uh, I say Shot of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, that, that's what it is. It's, it's, this is not a big company. It's, yeah, it's me. Yeah. Uh, it's me and whatever. And, and, and by proxy, you know, your, your, your fiance now is like, she has no choice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, by, by, by the way, you're yeah. packaging cassettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she helped the very first, the very first packaging night, but she's going to help for Grave Ripper because we yeah, have like over a hundred albums like already sold. Uh, I think maybe like 150. So, so. like as things kind of start to open up again, uh, you know, there's going to be a whole nother slew of, of, uh, bookings and organizational problems and this mm-hmm. all the logistics of that right you're going to have bands out on the road and i think that that's um it's not hard to fathom that these are going to extend 
much further than the Midwest. Um, already you've got listenership all over the world and yeah. your role as a writer for Decibel and people that follow your writing and that even going all the way back to, you know, your blog, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, people are familiar with your work. They're going to be following it. And so you're going to be starting to look at national tours, perhaps even international. Obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a huge following for some of the bands here in Indy, you know, obviously, you know, um, Apostle Solitude and Gates of Slumber have had, you know, some pretty good success out yeah, in Europe and uh, and great. all that. So, you know, looking down the road, um, you know, is that something that you're kind of <laughs> treading carefully on or is there even anything that you can plan for? Well, we're because I'm just one guy, uh, our tour support is pretty limited. Sure. Uh, basically, right now, if I can get somebody onto a fest, you know, I love sending those emails. Sure. But because sometimes sure. it just sounds better to have somebody advocate for you mm -hmm. um so you know i send uh fest uh, queries for mother of graves and grave ripper and they've been accepted to a couple festivals very cool you know very cool. so those announcements will be coming up actually one of them just happened uh grave ripper is on a, a tri-state terror fest in kentucky and like ringworm and nunslaughter and shed the skin like some really cool bands Damn, yeah are, are playing that um but uh for the other ones you know the the touring will have to be diy you know just mm -hmm. like it like it is like when you're in the metal underground you right know? right so hopefully those uh you know those bands will figure out like what they can do like certain bands like i mean you're less than one year in i don't think you can expect it all to like <laughs> i mean you've already come so far yeah out of the gate that is, it's hard to imagine that, you know, you could do it all, especially with one guy, you know? Yeah. Eventually, you know, the dream is eventually maybe a few years in, I start doing vinyl and uh, maybe I can start doing this, you know, half time mm -hmm. or full time eventually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, for that, I would need a, a, a modest, you know, profit. Sure. Uh, just so well, you, can, just, you need to get yourself on we, salary somehow. Yeah, we all got to pay rent, you know? Right. Uh, but right now, you know, bartending uh, five days a week, it's not glamorous stuff, you know? But hey, between, man. You know, like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> yeah, not yeah, glamorous yeah. anymore. You, you know what I mean? The like, glamour died in 2019. I'm not denying yeah. the sex appeal. I'm yeah. just saying, you know, like the the idea of being like a, like a blue-collar worker, yeah. like a public-facing mm -hmm. worker. Uh, to fund something that you're passionate about, like you, you to you're fund doing to, it. to fund your white collar uh, metal label. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, white collar. Speaking of, speaking of signing Limp Biscuit, all the billionaires <laughs> that are listening to Mother Graves. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, hopefully, there's a few out there. By the way, write those checks to Wiseblood yeah, Records, by, by, care I, of Sean Fraser. I could use help, <laughs> please. Is the Gates Foundation, are they investing in metal labels? I don't know. Oh, right. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. look into this. They're getting I'll, divorced. You know? <laughs> Maybe they got some extra money floating around. Melinda, if you're listening, if you really want to twist the knife into Bill, give Sean a billion dollars. <laughs> He's a big you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Man, so, you know, as we wind down, and I know you've got uh, other engagements you've got to make it to tonight. I mean, what are we, what are we looking for uh, coming up from Wiseblood? I know that there's some th projects that you can't really talk about yet at the moment, but uh, anything that you can give us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I've mentioned Grave Ripper a bunch. They're coming out uh, June 4th uh, with a record. Oh, I haven't announced this yet, but I don't mind doing it. Um, it's uh, <laughs> covered in sores. Uh, they're this Philadelphia death grind band. Uh, so I'm working on something with them to like sort of uh, put together their first three demos. 
Uh, and so I'll be working on their cassette while another really rad label does their CD. And then Kriegsgrave um, is it's one of the best black metal albums of the year. And I'll, I'll send that to you also. Oh, that sounds, uh, I'll, I'll slip some stuff to you super right on, early. Man. Uh, but if you like stuff like Agalock, uh and Wolves in the Throne Room, like you will really dig this band. And it, it is like as soon as I heard it, I was like, I have to be involved. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, we have uh, stuff like that. We have a, a demo series for like really new bands. Uh, where I'm just going to give them the first taste of like label support and get out like, you know, 25 tapes, 25 CDs, mm-hmm. sell them at uh, shows. Very cool. Uh, so we're, again, we're trying to make it personal. We're trying to make like, give people an incentive to come out and see concerts because I feel like that's the lifeblood. You get out to a concert, you can actually meet the bands. They're not alien anymore. You know, they're just not a digital picture online. Right. They're a flesh and blood person. Um, so that's our, our goal moving forward. Just like keep, uh, sort of uh, shortening the gap between the uh, fan and the band. Uh, and uh, people, I think, will uh, really uh, appreciate uh, the music more that way. So where can everybody find you online? Um, I, you know, ver- your website, social mm-hmm. media, Bandcamp. Um, and I think we might have actually linked over to you uh, to your main label page on Bandcamp uh, on the last episode. But um, right we'll on. definitely put that up in the show notes this week as well. Yeah. Yeah, wisebloodrecords.com is a is a great place to uh, get some uh, news in our store. But Bandcamp is like really where it's at. That's where uh, you know you can find all the music. You can stream everything that's available. Uh, we're easy to find. You know, Facebook, Instagram uh, is where we're most uh, active. The, those two platforms. And what is it? Wiseblood Records on Instagram. Uh, it's Wiseblood Records on Instagram. Wiseblood Rex on facebook okay uh yeah we're easy to find and if you send a message it's me answering yeah so. right and look for the uh the kick-ass uh doom owl but yeah <laughs> yeah 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 find the owl that's been to the void and back uh, <laughs> that's right it'll stare at the you. void owl <laughs> well man i appreciate you coming on the show it's been very cool to talk about this i've learned a lot about the uh kind of the the ins and outs of it you know and again i think that's a, an aspect of the industry that a lot of us don't know even if you're a musician mm-hmm. You know, it's how you take those first steps and what exactly does a label do for you, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so it's been interesting to to talk with you and learn a little bit more about that. And I can't wait for some of these releases. Uh, like I said, that you've got that show coming up after my day after my birthday. And uh, well, the May 29th is my wedding anniversary. I don't think I can convince my wife to uh, celebrate at... Uh, at a metal show or anything oh, like shit. that. But, okay. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of fans of pop music. Right. So, yeah, I've been force feeding like underground metal to her for 16 years and it hasn't stuck yet. So, I'm, I'm not sure that it's probably, going to. It's probably yeah. isn't the year. Yeah. yeah. I think she's learned to tune it out now. So, like, I, I mean, that's a win. You know, I mean, she doesn't flip off, you know, like when I'm playing Watane in the car or something. She's, <laughs> she just like leaves it on, you know? So, well, I appreciate it. You know, anybody out there um, that wants to find everybody, we'll have all the links in the show notes uh, to find us, you know. Obviously, Obviously, you found this episode, but you can find us at a440podcast.com uh, and on Instagram at a440pod. Um, and then, of course, if you want to find uh, myself or Kevin uh, on our personal pages, that are all linked through also through our Instagram feeds, um, not on Facebook at the moment. And, um, you know, kind of have a little bit of a presence on Twitter. I'm trying to get back into Twitter. Oh, all yeah. the writers are on Twitter. I didn't know this. Oh, it yeah. was I, a cocktail writer told me that, uh, that Twitter is for writers, and I didn't know this. 
Um, so I'm, I'm plugging back in. I'm trying to get plugged back in. And uh, yeah, same as, as you just said, I, I respond to all of our social media as well um, for A440. So Kevin will be back on the show next week. Uh, until then, what the fuck is our outro? God damn it. What does Kevin always say at the end of every episode? To all of you out there, thank you for listening to A440 Podcast, where you can always stay in tune with your metal.